Hello everyone, welcome to What is Covenants, Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. Now I like to be a fairly honest and truthful person. I think that's the best way to live your life. If you live your life with honesty, at least with sincere, genuine intent and desire, you can find the truth relatively easily. I think the problem with the truth and being honest to get to the truth is once we begin to really understand and see what is ahead of us, what that truth really is, that's when it gets a little bit subject to, if maybe a lot, subject to one's not wanting. <laughs> and in that, avoiding, running away from, denying the truth. And why is that so important? Why would I aspire to that? Why would I even begin to think of a podcast theme? And believe that that might be a good theme to talk about today on the podcast and begin the podcast with that notion of honesty and truth. Because essentially, I think that's what the Bible is all about. Uh, God wanted to reveal himself. He wrote the word or had the word inspired as with Holy Spirit. Had the word inspired of the Holy Spirit written so that we might come to a revelation of him. And that began in the book of Genesis, not just the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the end of that. Genesis initiates in that same way, procession or progression of honesty to truth. It's sort of like when you're a parent and something's amiss at the house. Worse than that, it's been broken and... You're looking around and thinking, well, who did this? And there's only the dog and the kid. <laughs> and you have to figure out which one did it because neither of them are going to be able to tell you. Uh, the dog, certainly, because maybe had all appreciation of you and his, his or her, depending on the gender of the dog, love for you. They may not be able to quite grasp what the moment is about, but your child certainly does. Um, the moment is about who did this? Why is this the way it is? If it's broken, negative consequences, and somebody's going to catch some. You know what? Some feedback as a result of breaking it. But we don't want to be kids, and the Bible helps us to grow up in progression. And with that procession, God reveals truth to us. And it is first honesty. <laughs> yeah, I did it. Dog's not going to say that. Yeah, I did it. Or even as an adult, yes, I did it. And then what follows is an unpacking of what was done, the consequences, the result, the result. Uh, of either the error or the mistake, whether it was intentioned or an honest mistake, as honesty to truth, you're going to kind of look at that and say, well, you really didn't intend to harm me. But in the end, there's no truth without revelation. And there's no revelation that isn't predicated upon both honesty and truth. <laughs> Should you doubt that? or at least my take on that, let's at least look at the word. Uh, and I want to make, I guess, a special comment um, 
all the Bible is fantastic, right? So it would be that I'm sure some have certain books that appeal more to them based on their need, their personality, and this may be it, but for me. But I cannot think of any books in the Bible, book or books in the Bible, that would appeal any greater, at least to me, than the books of First and Second Timothy. I kind of like it because I think <laughs> I think of myself maybe more Timothy in those moments, and I'm reading it at least as Paul's writing it to Timothy, and I'm thinking, yeah, Paul. <laughs> Be honest with me, but more than that, tell me the truth or help me in honesty or my honesty or my openness to receive and hear your instruction. I, I, I want to know the truth. And Paul, I think you've got a good story to tell, a good testimony. So with that in mind, we're going to go to 1 Timothy and it would be chapter 6. And with that, we're going to start with, let's see, verse 7. Let's do that. Well, let's go to 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, Faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, under which thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I command thee in the sight of God who maketh all things alive and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate, witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting." Amen. Charge them that are rich in this age that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to share, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and opposition of knowledge, falsely so called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Again. And once more, that was 1 Timothy 
end, I think I began with, I did. I began with verse 6. Now, of course, as all books of the Bible are inclined to be (laughs) about many, many, many things at multiple levels, in that same spirit of honesty and truth, and with that a great desire for God (laughs) to reveal himself, for me, as with the book of Timothy, books of Timothy, for Paul to tell me everything he knows. I want to know it. He's lived it. Share it with me. It's all intentioned to get us to the place where we can see things for what they really are. All things. And as much as the Bible is filled full of many levels or many truths in that sort of way, they generally lead to, once more, one great profound truth. If we're not going to be honest and truthful with ourselves, we're not going to be able to see anything in the light of honesty and truth. And if there should be any judgments that someone else should try to make, and those perhaps perchance would not be made out of the same lens of the Bible, the Word of God, with not only honesty and truth and revelation in mind, then they're going to be subject and prone to distortion and corruption. Distorted thinking. And who should be free from any of that? I think Paul's experience tells him none of us. Even Timothy would not be, even Paul himself would not be totally free of what we call bias. That denial. That not living in the light. So Paul gives the example of riches and that is a probably pretty major It's not one of those minor truths. It's a major truth. Uh, Money is all about control. Money is all about power. It, It is not a primary need of ours, but it gets us a lot of the things, if not most, if not all of the things in today's world, that we primarily need to sustain the body. It can't, I think it's a song. Money can't buy you love. I think it's the Beatles. It won't buy you love. But all the things, at least not spiritually, in spiritual dimension, but all the things that materially are manifest of God's love even, money can acquire those. But there is an honest way and a dishonest way to achieve that end. And it does then lead back to this central truth. If you put anything, a person, money, person between you and God, it's not only going to be corrupted once by you and your inclination not to live in the light and all those unfortunate human sort of needs, or at least put it this way, the needs aren't bad. It's how we go about getting them This is going to get in the way. But if you put another, insert many more into, if these transactions that kind of make all that up, if that is distributed across many individuals, even within your family, it's going to run the risk of multiplication exponentially of that corruption. Layers of corruption. That's why when in honesty we begin to seek the truth, it is somewhat of an unpacking. 
you have to like a overstuffed drawer. Why is it that the one thing you're looking for is always at the bottom, covered up by all the other things that you happen to put in there, thinking that one day you might need, but in the moment that you're in, you really don't need that thing, but you have to unpack all of that to get to the one thing you do need. That process itself is, I think, what Paul's talking about. He points out money, and I do believe money is the root of all evil, but even more primary to the root of all evil is what money seems to represent as a way to bypass God. To not go to Him, not trust Him, not believe upon Him, not have faith in His promise of supplying you All that you need. It may not be all that you want, (laughs) but it's all that you need. This is so good. You may not get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you'll find you get what you need. It is not about always wants. It's about need. But more than just the physical need, what we really need, even should it then come back to meeting physical needs is how to go how rightly to go about getting that and the only way that you can rightly go about getting that is not only to to read the book of Timothy first Timothy but specifically to also then go to the one verse that in summation Paul points out is the only legitimate, authentic example of what it looks like to go to God for all one's needs. I'm going to go specifically to verse 13. I command thee in the sight of God who maketh all things alive. It goes right to the source of everything that lives. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession... Now, you could say that before Christ Jesus, as in we are subject to Christ, and I believe that's true. But I'm going to look at that a little bit more broadly, or at least not entirely about before Jesus as judgment of whether we're doing it the right way. But God himself is an example because who is Jesus? He is God. God sent himself, sent his son, To show us. But he sent his word before he ever sent his son. And his word then became living word. Which I think gets back to Paul making that comment. Maketh all things alive. So that we might see not only a good confession. But a good testimony. Of our what? Corruption. Of our what? Denial. Of her what? Of her lying. And what's the lying? I don't know again if it's like the kid and the dog. (laughs) Example I gave earlier. I don't know that it's totally with intention to deceive. Maybe it's honest mistake as they say. You didn't intend to do it. You don't intend to lie. But when you're put in that situation and you know whatever you've been doing is really not right and how do you know that because someone along the way already told you showed you what was right and how do we know that you know because you're lying about it you have either a guilty conscience and or with that I'm going to say and 
you know what was right, and you also then know you didn't do it right. Now, the dog don't know, because <laughs> the dog's a dog. And there's a certain degree of benevolence that we have to afford people who, I'm not saying they're equivalent to an animal, but like a dog. Dogs are wonderful, by the way. I would never say that in a derogative sort of manner. But there's some individuals who, in their immaturity or for whatever reason, aren't quite there. They don't know the rules yet. They're just getting to know the rules. We have to kind of afford them, well, in their innocence slash ignorance. But when somebody lies to you, they're no longer innocent and they're also no longer ignorant. But they're lying to themselves. They're putting something between you and them. They're putting something, in this case, between them and God. And it ain't Jesus. (laughs) Because Jesus is the reason God sent his son to come between us and him. Because that (laughs) same phenomenon... It's hard for us to face the truth. It's impossible for us to face the truth in our humanity, human dimension. Because that's just the operation. Denial. Lying to yourself, lying to others to avoid whatever manifestation or version, I should maybe call it that. It's all manifestation of a lie, pain, that comes with lying. But... Maybe it's physical, maybe it's psychological, but it's pain. And you don't want to face it, and you don't want to admit that you did wrong, and maybe you just want to avoid the consequence, maybe you don't want to disappoint. There's all sorts of angles on that. But the truth really only comes when you can be that honest. And Jesus is the truth. The truth is, (laughs) you can't lie. I don't know that Pontius Pilate necessarily... Jesus would have ever lied to anyone, but Pontius Pilate necessarily was any different than anyone else. Jesus wouldn't have lied to anybody. And that's living in that light that we're speaking of, God's light, or at least the passage speaks of and we're speaking of on the podcast. But Jesus could have lied to Pilate, could have come up with a story. I think Pilate was looking for a lot of ways to literally, as he said, wash his hands, and he did. Uh, and should his conscience been a bit seared, his wife did come to him and said, uh, you better watch out, I had a dream. And this thing is bigger than just what you might want it to be. But he's the example, at least in that circumstance, that Paul brings up about going before Pontius Pilate. He's the one that chose to lie. Or at least live in the lie. And what was the lie? The people didn't hate I don't think they hated Jesus as much as they hated what Jesus was. He was truth. Jesus was honesty. But what they really couldn't grasp, but is the essentiality of salvation, Jesus is forgiveness. Somewhere between being honest and finding truth, and if that truth is Jesus... And the truth about Jesus is that we need him, so we don't keep lying, we don't run from God, we don't hide from God, we don't blame others, we don't lie to get out of trouble, we don't lie to get other people into trouble, we don't lie to control things, we don't want (laughs) to put anything between us and God, money, whatever it might be. Jesus helps us to stay right there. 
and not lie. Why? Because he's the advocate that God sent. He is God. God came down. But he came down in a way that would then allow us, totally in him, nothing of us, to approach him and to face the truth. And then to really find out not only is there forgiveness, but there's love. And what's that love about? The love is about God's care for us. And what is, again, love? Love is all those material manifestations, the needs that we require for the physical life, dimension of life, but more so it's the spiritual. But godliness with contentment is great gain. It's not just doing the right thing. It's the contentment of knowing that God loves you and that even when you make a mistake in the name of Jesus, even if so, somebody else is going to blame you, put you on a cross and crucify you even as Jesus was, but because he is, and he lives within us who have accepted him as Lord and Savior, then he helps us through all of that so that we don't ever have to lie. If you can believe that, then you'll be less inclined to be afraid of whatever pain you think is going to happen, maybe it's justified. I mean, maybe some of it, you did break the lamp or whatever it was. The child analogy again. But what's the parent going to do? They're not going to kill you. That's not their intention. They might get mad. Hopefully they're not that way. Most aren't. I know God isn't. But you may have a a price to pay. There may be a bit of sacrifice or a bit of pain that goes with it. But what is it that Jesus reveals? That God loves us. He supplies all of our need according to his riches and glory. It's not in this passage, but it is in the Bible. For we brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. Why? We didn't need to. God had it planned all along to take care of you. Every aspect of your life. And having food and raiment, let us be therefore, or therewith, content. For the love of money is the root of all evil. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. It's not the so-called exhaustive or total list, but it's the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5. God's love is spiritual. It has material manifestation. But more than anything, it should give you confidence. God doesn't want to destroy you. He may do some correction. There is a thing called godliness. There is a thing called righteousness. But unless you can be honest enough with yourself... Not necessarily about what you did or didn't do in that material way, but whether you believe or don't believe, whether you trust or don't trust. But if you can't be honest enough with yourself about that, you're not going to come to truth. And with that, you're not going to live in the light. 
which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto. You can't. You can't stop lying. (laughs) It's your corrupted nature. It's the iniquity. It's the iniquity. Which then doesn't do anything but complicate more the sin. Even should sin be just a mistake, an error. I didn't mean to do that. It was a mistake. If you add to it lying, then there's an intention. And you're going to do it again. (laughs) Maybe simply because you got away with it. Who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. I can't live in that light. You can't live in that light. Man, woman, (laughs) certainly child, even dog. But what I can do is I can allow Jesus to live in me. And if I allow Christ to live in me, then I also allow the Holy Spirit to have reign over me. And I operate out of the fruits of the Spirit, as I mentioned a moment ago. And with that then, I approach all of this in the only way that I could as manifesting the fruit of the Spirit, trusting that God, and what is the fruit of the Spirit? Love. God, what is God? Is love. Loves me. It's a cloak of righteousness that Jesus covers me with, or God has chosen to cover me with, in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> it is living in that light. And that really is, I think, what this passage is about. Excuse me. We have to live in that light. But if we do, then what begins to happen is we have the same power available to us. Not of us, but what is that power? That we would never fall into the trap of not only denying our own iniquity, nature, to sin, lie, add to the mistakes that sin represents but corrupt others and participate in this game playing. Whether it's Pontius Pilate, you, me, somebody else, trying to judge somebody else, that won't ever work. Judge not lest you shall be judged. I can't judge you. Because if I do, I'm already judging me. And what's the condemnation? I don't live in the light. What is the light? I'm not the one. Can I exhort? Can I encourage? Can I point out? There's plenty of that in counseling. Yeah, but that's not judgment. That's just correction. But that also is the point. If you stop judging, there is therefore no condemnation. And correction is not hard. (laughs) Your dog's easier to correct than a defiant child or certainly a defiant adult. God doesn't want us to be disobedient, rebellious. He wants us to be cooperative. But you have to believe him You have to want, you have to be like me in the books of Timothy. I want to learn. I want the revelation. God, show me. 
show me your glory. Moses said, show me your glory, God. I don't have it down. Why? Because I want to kill the world when they don't do it the right way. No, that's not how God works. But there are those who do, unfortunately, live only in that light. And Verse 20, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings, judgments, and oppositions of knowledge. Some translations call that science, falsely so called. Which some professing have erred concerning the faith. The error is they've tried to do it out of just that. There's nothing wrong with science. There's nothing wrong with knowledge. But knowledge is not truth. Why? Because there is nothing tangibly in this world that would give us a revelation of love and forgiveness to the fullest extent of Jesus Christ except Jesus Christ. And he is more than man. He is God, but God's spirit. And he sent his spirit. He left. God already gave us his spirit. He breathed into into Adam. Jesus just revitalizes that. But knowledge won't bring you to that. Science won't bring you to that. Why? Because all it's designed for is to serve you in material terms. It can bring you to the place of knowing it's not enough. That's what the Old Testament does. Science is the Old Testament. It's the mind of God. That's where they got it. That's where the world, not just a country, not just a people, not just a region, the whole world has been covered by the Old Testament, the highest order of human thought or conception as God permitted it, as he gave it through the Holy Spirit to reveal himself. But that isn't going to save you. It's just going to get you to the point where you realize it's not enough. You have to understand there's more. And once you get there and honestly want the rest of the revelation, God doesn't withhold that. It just means you have to admit your failing and your inadequacy and ask for help. That's what counseling is all about. You can help people who want help. Even if they're not quite there yet, they're still in denial. They're still afraid of judgment, condemnation. They're afraid of being afraid. They're afraid they're going to disappoint. They're afraid that they're wrong, which they are. But the correction is much easier to receive if you dispense with all that craziness. Ungodliness is what the Apostle Paul... And should it be that I said that in such a way that didn't seem to capture the the actual seriousness of it, let me just say it this way. What is, at some point, in a youthful sort of context of immaturity, a combo of innocence and ignorance, when you become an adult, those kind of childish ways, who did that? There's only the dog in you. If you're an adult, it's far worse. There's far greater consequences. And if you don't learn how to be corrected, 
then the end of all that is not only killing yourself, but killing others. And the end of all that, as with, again, the example the Apostle Paul gave to Timothy, Pontius Pilate in Christ, you're going to end up killing somebody. You're going to end up killing somebody. Go ahead and die to yourself, if that's what that means. Because you're really not ever going to die in the Lord. And should you die eternally, it's because you've chosen not to live in the light. But you can only live in that light, admitting your failings, admitting the culpability. There's blood on your hands if you don't come to Jesus. There's blood on your hands if you try to put that on somebody else. You can try to wash them. It's not going to work. But when you come into the light as he's in the light and you understand what this is all about, you won't be corrupted by somebody else's corruption. You'll know it. You'll be able to see it as it's coming. You'll be able to understand, but you still may not be able to escape it. But you don't have to live in it. And God promises you there's nothing that either in the form of his correcting you or as an atonement for all those people who are lost and would crucify Christ and therein would also crucify you because you're doing the same thing that Jesus did. You're living in the light. You got to know he's there with you every step of the way. Counseling is again a lot like that. We try to side up. If that's the way to say it. Team up side by side. Go through those kind of circumstances and situations with people. Offering them a bit more tangible. Not that it's necessary, but it helps. Somebody go through it with you. We offer them support. Offer them an opportunity to open up and talk about. And come to a point of getting past the lying. And facing things honestly. And helps help them, assist them. Helps them too. Then with word, frame it as truth. But that's the conclusion. It's all between them and God. It's all between them and God. It always will be us and God. <laughs> but though I may be a bit corrupt, though I am human, and that m- makes me <laughs> subject to the corruption like the rest of us, everyone, you. But at the same time, though, I do want to do what I do out of the Word of God, and more so out of the living Word of God, alive in me. And uh, for the sake of sanctification, though, I am not your high priest. But sometimes it does benefit to have somebody go into the Holy of Holies. Not on your behalf, but with you. And that's what we try to do. Go (laughs) Go into the Holy of Holies and the mercy seat. Somewhere between the outspread wings of both cherubims, uh, Jesus lives. That's where forgiveness lives. That's where truth lives. That's where honesty lives. That's where the Ark of the Covenant resides. It needs to be in your heart. That's the Holy of Holies. It's in your heart. Should you want assistance from us, you can get a hold of us, 304-528-9220, covenantsonline.com. Catch us on Facebook at Covenants, covenants covenants.llc1 at (laughs) yahoo.com. You can come see us anytime you want. Contact us. I'd love to. Carolyn, love to hear from you. 
But should you not want to go that route, any of those routes, come back and join us for our next podcast, our next edition of What is Covenants? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. Until we get a chance to meet again, God bless.